0: And we're digging into uh, the area of money, and uh, money is, is fun, like if you have it, and, and if you don't, it actually is quite stressful. So today we're talking about how stress is bad, like you needed somebody to tell you that. We, we know that. We live it. Um, so we're going to dig into that uh, today, talking uh, specifically about uh, debt and what that can do to us and our lives. Uh, But before I do that, I actually want to uh, talk a little bit about uh, membership here at Ridgeview Church. We have a membership process where people uh, who are followers of Christ can decide to join uh, the team. And we have a set of classes called Exploring Ridgeview. And you can come preview who we are and where we're headed as a church. That's our first membership class. And we have a second class called Discover, where you can discover more of who we are and how you can get involved. And then uh, finally, as you're ready to join with us, you Uh, actually commit to becoming a member. And what membership is, uh, it's not like membership of some sort of a uh, country club where it's like, how do I get pampered? Actually, membership at a church is I'm coming to uh, commit, and I'm coming to work, and I'm coming to to join the team and help us uh, advance our mission uh, forward. And so if you're interested uh, in membership or learning more about who we are as a church, you can come to these classes. You don't have to come and then sign on if you're not ready, but it is a chance to give you a little bit more of why we do the things that we do. Uh, Having said all that, what I wanted to do is actually introduce uh, some new members uh, to us all this morning. And so David and Susie Gonzalez, if you guys could stand, let's give them a hand. You guys can be seated. Uh, I just wanted to say just thank you guys for taking that step to commit uh, to Ridgeview Church. We're really glad that you've decided uh, to join the team. If you haven't had a chance to meet uh, David and Susie, I encourage you to do that uh, after uh, the service. And again, if you're interested, just let us know on the connection card. Uh, There's a section that says contact me about membership, and we'll make sure we get uh, the word to you uh, when the next classes are. Make sense? Okay, cool. Um, I want to talk a little bit again about uh, money as we continue on this uh, sermon series. And last week we talked about uh, less is more. And if you were here, uh, we talked a lot about creating space in our lives so that God could work. That is, we need to actually focus on cutting some things out of our schedules, of our time, of our, uh, everything that we have going on in our life so that uh, there's actually some room uh, for growth to happen. You can't grow if your life is completely surrounded around you and and you're just overwhelmed by everything you have going on. And that's actually connected uh, to money as well. Uh, It's very difficult to learn more about how to handle our finances when we're consumed with everything we have going on with with our spending, with our budget, with just the stress of everyday life. And today we're going to continue that thought process, okay, well, how do I, once I'm Allowing God to maybe speak to me as I'm digging into his word, and I want to figure out what does it mean to live biblically, what the Bible says related to my money, uh, what, what does that look like? And so I want to start, as we talk about debt specifically, uh, you may have uh, your own story and your own struggles even right now related to money. Uh, if I were to ask a room like this, like, are you stressed out about money? Most of us would, would raise our hands and you'd say, well, I'm not today, but I was yesterday, and I will be tomorrow. Like, it's very easy. Money is, is stressful. It's overwhelming. Um, it kind of calls at us a lot. It wants our attention. Uh, so what we have to do is, like, again, we have to focus on, well, in the middle of all that I have going on, sometimes in the middle of the stress that's weighing me down, how can I still allow uh, God to speak to me? And, and how do I get on the right path uh, with my finances? And I want to just encourage you, where you are, if, if you are feeling overwhelmed, You do not have to stay there. Now, that is way easy to say. So as we talk about finances, and specifically what the Bible says, uh, God is is like calling out to us. There's a sense of like, God, show show me the way, the path, and then will you give me the strength to walk in it? And lots of things in life uh, can feel like we can't change, and money is the same. Uh, Sometimes we, we feel like we can't change from our past. Sometimes we can't Like we could change from our responses, from anger, from frustration, from discouragement. And all of this actually we find in in this area as well with money. But there actually is change to be found. That's the good news. Uh, The hard thing is that that it does take work. And so as a church, uh, we will do a disservice if we talk about all things related to life and never bring up money. Because money is a big part of everything that we deal with. And so what's really important is let's talk about these things Let's not take a step back. Let's take steps forward and actually do what God wants us to do. Uh, But I want to show a commercial, which I think all of us can relate to as it relates to fighting against some of the pretense that we all struggle with. Let's watch it. I'm Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four-bedroom house and a great community. Like my car? It's new. I even belong to the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. Need a smart way to consolidate your debt? At LendingTree.com, banks compete, and you choose the loan that's right for you. When banks compete, you win at LendingTree.com. I think that summarizes a lot related to life. It's like always put on the smiley face and make sure your life seems completely together. Now, if you look at that neighborhood And you look at that house, you look at that yard, that barbecue, even that looked good. But his statement, as he's smiling, someone please help me. That's a lot how it feels, especially related to this. And we live in a time where your image is more important than obviously the reality. And you see that across the board, especially related to social media. What we want to put in front of people is like we have it all together. But most of the time, as you get past that surface, there is a lot of cracks in our life. And God is not a God that just is, you know, really concerned with how you look outwardly. In fact, he, he speaks against that. He wants you to actually focus on what's going on inside because you, you can fake it and you can keep up all sorts of appearances, but God actually wants to help you and, and he'll, he'll do that. So as I talk about finances, like I want you to think in terms of a microwave is like quick. It's easy. You put a timer on and it heats it up quickly with your finances because it's connected to our decisions. We're where we are because of decisions over a really long period of time. Some of that perspective may be off. Some of those decisions may be bad. Have you ever made a bad financial decision? Yeah. All of us. We all have. But instead of picturing a microwave, like picture like a crock pot. Like, okay, this is something that, that I actually, I'm going to have to put on the simmer, and it's going to have to cook for a while. I am gonna take little baby steps and little baby steps and kind of take that uh, debt, debt that I'm dealing with, the stress I'm dealing with, and and ask God for help. And so I want to start by talking about debt and how it actually increases our stress and what the Bible has to say that. So how debt increases stress. Now, the Scriptures, uh, just go straight to it. It doesn't really pull any punches, and it's this. Uh, It makes us a slave, okay? Debt makes us a slave. You didn't find that on the Lending Tree commercial, right? Because they're actually, from a perspective, is like... We want to help you with banks compete as you consolidate your loans on all these strategies. But the scripture says there's actually so much related to debt that you have to be very careful of. Uh, Proverbs 22, 7 says this, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. So here you have a contrast, rich and poor. Which interesting in this picture though, the rich is not just considered somebody that has a lot of money. It's actually the rich has money, and they're paying for it without borrowing. And the poor, they don't have the money, but they keep spending. That's a really important distinction. Rich and poor is oftentimes not just how much money you have, but it's also a matter of wisdom. What are the kind of decisions that you make? And are you making decisions that are actually going to help you take steps forward? So how do you know if you're a slave to something? What's a characteristic of a slave? Anyone? Anyone? You really need to have the right answer because I have an illustration for this. And how do you know you don't have freedom? Chains. Thank you, Jeff. Okay. All right. Here is an object lesson. Scott here at Ridgeview, help me set this up. This is a, correct me if I'm wrong, this is a three-ton chain. That's right. Which means it actually can pull like 6,000 pounds of weight. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to break these chains before. No, I won't. I will not. <laughs> we're going to have a strong man. So if you could imagine what the scripture is saying is, okay, when you, when you borrow money for money you don't have and then you spend that money, there's a sense in which you're, you're chained for something. Now, when we read the scriptures, it's like, yeah, you're, you're a slave. But the idea is like chains. You are you're literally tied up. So if I were to put this like on my, on my neck and I'd spend the rest of the time talking to you with this, uh, will this impact me? Yeah, at my age, it most definitely will. I'm already feeling it on my neck a little bit. It's kind of weighing it down. By the end, I'm going to be curled up on like a, like a little baby, because this this is a heavy this is a heavy weight. Uh, but but it's also something that you don't just wear like I'm Mr. T. You know, put it You know, this is actually not a decoration. Uh, this is something that like entangles me. So it's not just on my neck. It's like tied to, you know, my, my, my wrist and my, my arm gets stuck in here. And as you could imagine, like I cannot function. What the scriptures are saying is anytime you get in a position where you don't have the means for something and you borrow it, you are now tied to that person. And all of us know that instinctively, but we live in a world now where the keeping up with the appearance of things And what we think we should have, because everyone has it, without knowing it, we make decisions that literally are chaining us up. And for each debt that we have, it's another chain that's tied to us. So imagine if I had more than one debt, I have more than one chain. Imagine if I had six of these, or 12, and they're entangled me, and they're weighing me down, I wouldn't be able to to function. So I'm going to put this back here without breaking too much. But that's what the scripture is saying. You become a slave. It impairs you. It weighs you down. Uh, it hurts you. And it starts with this idea like, I, I really don't have the money, and so I borrow it. Now, is there such thing as good debt? Depends who you ask, right? Most of us have debt in our life. So when you hear this, it's like, okay, thanks. For, so glad I came to church today. I'm totally hopeless and I'm wearing a chain around my neck. Uh, but there, there are some things where we experience debt. So a mortgage debt is a debt that most of us will take on. I cannot pay for a house with cash. I cannot do that. I'm not in a position to do that. Uh, my wife and I actually, we can't buy a house right now in this market. We're renting. But it's just the state of our market, like it is, it's very inflated, right? So, uh, but mortgage debt is something that a debt that you, you may take on. But the question is, If I buy a house, can I afford it? And that question is not necessarily how much can you borrow, but can you afford the price of that house? So many times people want to say, the payment is just this. The payment is just always take a step back and say, but yeah, how much is the total cost? Because that's how much I'm spending. So with a mortgage, can you buy too much house? Yeah, in California, that's called a two-bedroom. Right? No, no, in all seriousness, you can buy too much house to the point that you can't afford it. And so, good debt could be a mortgage if you can afford the payment. If you can't afford the payment, it's not a good debt. If it's going to make you house poor, like you've got a house, but you don't have anything to put in it, that's not helpful. Um, student loans, good debt, bad debt. It depends who you ask. I'm just going to divide the whole group today, right? But you can spend tens of thousands of dollars on a student loan, finish your degree, have no experience whatsoever, and work at In-N-Out. And that's nothing wrong with working at In-N-Out. In fact, I like In-N-Out. I like it a lot. But if you started at In-N-Out without going to college, and you spent four years working In-N-Out, you would probably be moving into some sort of leadership, and you'd be making more money. So there's just decisions that we have to make. Like, can I take on these student loans? And if you're young today, and I encourage you to talk with your parents about this, but you want to know the reality of when I'm done with college, what is the chains that I'm going to have on me? And not only that, if you want to get married, and I encourage you, get married. Multiply the earth. Do it. But they will take those chains on as well. We don't think about that. So decisions you make when you're young if you're older and you've been married, you know it impacts the spouse as well. So we have, we have mortgages, we have student loans. Car loans, <laughs> good debt, bad debt. Depends who you ask. Some say in the back. <laughs> it depends on the car you want. But it's the same thing. Well, the thing with a car is when you go to buy it, is the people at the dealership focused on, should you be taking those chains on in your life? Should you be taking that debt? No, their job is to make money themselves because they probably have debts they have to pay off. So we live in an endless cycle. So if you buy a car, uh, your car's value for the most part, it it depreciates as soon as you drive off the lot. And then within a few years, it loses like 60% of its value. So now you're borrowing something for money that's not even worth the same value. The reason I say this is like we don't live in a time where people are thinking how do you be responsible financially. But the scripture is true. You can become a slave and buried and crushed by the weight. And so do your research. Ask for help. Before you make big purchases, you want to have the picture, is there a chain that I will be tied to this person through? And how heavy is that chain? Because we want to be very wise We want God to be able to to still use and allow us to have freedom. And so you want to be careful. So that's the first thing what the scriptures say is is it makes us a slave. We want to be very careful what we're a slave to. The second, uh, debt presumes on our future. And that's actually related to anything. Anytime we make a decision, we don't know what the future is going to be, right? Right? Yeah, we don't know the future. But we make decisions all the time as we we bank on it. Here's what the scriptures say about that in James chapter 4. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. One of the best things you can do is you have conversations with people and you talk about plans and you talk about what you're going to do is you always want to say, Lord willing. Like, Lord willing, we will do this. Lord willing, I'll make that choice. Lord willing, this will happen because it actually is the Lord's will. He holds time in his hands. He is the only one who knows the future. But every time we make decisions financially where we're banking on something to happen and somebody tells you and somebody's selling you like, all you need to do in a few years is do this, you wanna be very careful. It's actually if the Lord's wills. If the Lord doesn't will, what decision will I be left with? A few years ago, 2007, we had an opportunity to buy our first home. We were in the market, and kind of similar to this time where the prices were really high. But if you remember, the financing was what we would call like interesting and focused on the first part of that word, interest. And we were uh, talking to a realtor and then talking to uh, a, a loan person, and they were pushing like an interest-only loan that enabled you to basically borrow way more money than you could afford because the, the payment was low in the beginning. Well, what would happen to that interest rate that was low in about, I think it was three years' time, the interest rate would go up. And I knew this scripture. And as I was talking to this person, I was nervous about that variable rate of interest. And it kind of give me pause. And then I said, well, what do you, what do, you do in three years when... The interest rate goes up, and that payment just balloons. Like, what, what? are you supposed to do? He says, "The housing market is so hot right now. In three years, you'll just refi your home, and then you'll get a low interest rate, and you can lock it in. And then your payment will be this. And you know, you see that. And it's like that's that's amazing. Does anybody remember what happened in two thousand eight, two thousand nine? The bottom fell out, and so many people lost their homes. It was devastating." You see it all across, and it still impacts uh, cities and communities today, even our country. But it starts with this premise that I can make a decision banking on something in the future. Never allow the future to decide what you're going to do now, because you don't know. Lord willing, that could happen, but I don't know. So I need to make a decision as if that might not happen. And so thankfully, uh, through this scripture and through uh, just that pause, uh, we, we went to lunch and after we were kind of sorting, and my wife and I, we just began to talk. Like, are we ready to to make this move? And if interest only is the only way we can do this, does that make sense? And we began to see, like, this really isn't wise. It puts us in a very precarious situation. It's high risk. Uh, We need to be very careful. And as we were eating lunch, I look on the TV of a news report, and UCLA had just completed a study on the market crash. They were saying it like it's coming. It was like in that moment, through Scripture... Through the pause that we had and then that, that, that news report, it was like God just says, you need to be careful. And all of us, as it relates to our finances, the, biggest, the bigger the purchase, we need to be very careful. So if you have a major decision financially that you're making, one of the things that I encourage you to do that a mentor told me years ago is take at least two days before you make a major financial decision. If somebody is selling you something, do they want to give you two days? No. They don't want to give you two minutes. If you leave right now, you will never see this offer again. In fact, your life will be hopeless. You'll never be the same. And so you begin to think like, I need to do it now. Because if I don't do it now, I'm going to miss out, and I don't want to miss out, because the opportunity is right here. But anytime you feel that pressure, uh, you get into hastiness, and you can make devastating decisions. And so the scriptures are clear: you want to be wise. You want to have your decision thought out and played out. What does this mean? And then you need to get counsel when you get stuck. Ask people that are wise with their money. Like, would you make this decision? There's so much at stake. We don't want to be a slave, and we don't want to presume on our future. Let's shift gears. Now you're really depressed. Let's look at what are some keys to making change. What do we actually do? Uh, So what I'm going to do is just kind of give uh, just some some wisdom according to the Scriptures. We're going to dig into the the book of of Proverbs. And uh, it starts with this kind of big idea. I know where my money is coming and going. The key to be financially responsible for all of us is we actually know what's going on. Now, that sounds like, yeah, that's great. But do you ever struggle with keeping track of your finances? Yeah? Like for me, like this has a chain in it, obviously, but for me, a lot of times I have like, this is my, this is my budget. And I just throw a bunch of money in here. And then when I need money, what do I do? I take it out. But there's so many times where I'm just kind of like, and taking out and I just hope there's things in there. But have you ever been in a position where you go to take money out? There's none in there. You ever been there? Like, there's, there's more month than budget? What's the day right now? It's happening right now. There's still a week left. How is that possible? And so instead of, like, the general approach, like, I'm just going to throw it in a bucket and hope there's stuff left when I reach in, uh, we actually can, can pay attention. And that's what the, the Scriptures actually say in Proverbs 27. It says, know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds, for riches do not last forever, and does a crown endure to all generations? Sometimes you read the Scriptures, and it feels just like this. Okay, I need help with money, and I'm stressed. Why are we talking about sheep right now? But if you think about it, uh, if you're a shepherd, your livelihood and your income is your herd. It's the sheep. And so what the Scriptures are saying, and sometimes you have to chew on it. You have to think about it. You think, what's the point of this? I'm supposed to become a shepherd now? Is that how I'm going to become financially stable? No, it's the idea of you need to pay attention to your money. You need to keep a close account. So if you're a shepherd, uh, you have your sheep, and from a distance, yeah, you know, I think they're okay. I still see them. I think I do. You know, you're counting like, from afar, and you hope that they're all accounted for, but you can't see them clearly. So what a shepherd does is a shepherd actually has to go up close, and they check. They inspect. They actually pull back the the wool, and they see their face, and they make sure their limbs are fine. They they check on them in a personal and intentional way. And it's the same with our money. It's the idea of, like, I am going to know all that God has given me. So there's a backdrop principle here, and that's actually God is the owner of everything. And he actually gives us the strength and the ability and the gifts he made you uniquely to make money. And so since he's given me money, however big or however little, I want to make sure that I'm taking care of it because I'm going to stand before him when my life wraps up and he's going to ask me about all that he's given me and I'm going to face him and I'm going to have to say like I was responsible or I wasn't or I just had a bucket but it didn't work. So it's, it's serious. This is something that God really wants us to pay attention to. And so three questions you can ask is this. Where did it all go? Number two, what did I spend it on? And number three, how did I use my money for what really matters? If you do this every month, you will begin to get on the right track with your money. Some of it is just knowing where it's coming from and where it's going. I have a this is very rare. I have money on me. <laughs> what is this? Can you see it? $5 bill, right? How many legs does this have? None. Good answer. Don't say it depends. There's no legs, right? Sometimes, though, as we approach money, we think that money has feet and it walks off. Right? Right? Because if you ever looked at your, your account and you're like, where did it go? Like it just escaped? Like it snuck off from your checking account and it went somewhere and you have no idea. But if you look at your money, whether it's a bill or whether it's a coin, it doesn't have feet. Money gets sent. And it gets sent from you and it gets sent from me and we decide where we send it. And so this question, where did it all go, is really the question, where did I send it? Where did I send it? And did I send it to the right place? Do any of you, this is like totally random, but any, never mind. I'm not gonna share that. Okay, I will say. (laughs) You ever like have money in your pants and then you find it later? That happened to me. And then I thought like, did I not wash these? And then I was a little nervous. That's why I didn't wanna share it. But I just found these. I put these pants on today and the money was in the back. Like God's provision. <laughs> I'll be able to buy half of a lunch. All right, so I know where money is coming and going. That's the first thing to getting on the right track. The second is this. I'm working towards sending money to the right place. Since money doesn't have feet, I'm sending it. I want to make sure I'm sending it to the right place. That's how you actually decrease the stress in your life. Money doesn't have feet, but it sure does get our attention a lot, and it talks very loud. And so we are actually the stewards. Money doesn't tell us what to do. We tell money, this is where you're going to go. We send it. We're in control. Proverbs 21.5 says this, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. So see the correlation. Again, it's wisdom scripture. It's giving you categories. It's comparing. It's contrasting. Hastiness leads to what? Hastiness leads to what? One more time. Hastiness leads to what? So anytime you make a decision and you're not able to think about it, there's a direct correlation that this is going to lead to, I'm not having abundance, I'm going to have less. So I need to be very careful. But the contrast is the the diligent and abundance. Now, diligent uh, has this this idea of of its sharpness. Uh, There's a sharpness. It's determined. uh, It's incisive. Like, I know what I'm doing. With what I've been given, like with my work, I'm going to pay attention to it. I'm not just going to hope it works. Like in the, the money's the same. Like I'm going to like plot, like you would, like crops and planting. And this is like the, the the word picture they would have. Like I'm going to make sure that I know what I'm putting into the ground. and I know where I'm putting. I'm not just scattering a bunch of seeds and hoping fruit comes up. No, I'm diligent. I have a plot. I know what I'm planting. I'm going to do all I can for that fruit to grow. That's the idea of, of, of diligence. And then hastiness is the opposite. It's like you're pressed and you're squeezed. And so many times that's what money does. To us. We just feel pressed and we feel squeezed and then we just want to release the pressure. I don't want to deal with it anymore and I'm just going to do it. But hastiness, you don't want to just give in to that pressure. You want to actually do uh, what, what's right. And so, Here's some things I found in my own life as I dug into the scriptures, like of what diligent relates to money. Uh, The first is like we're managers of what God's given us. Like we're not the owners ultimately. The scriptures talk about this, but we're we're managers, so we need to manage what God's given us well. And He he holds us accountable to that. Uh, Another helpful thing you can't spend money you don't have. That makes complete sense. The issue is you can borrow it. But you still don't have it, and so you have to be very careful. Like, help me, God, to not spend money that I don't have, and I can't hope for the best. Diligence is not just hoping for the best. It's like, I hope it all works out. Diligence is, I'm going to do all I can to be responsible. I'm going to do all I can to know where my money is coming and going. I'm going to do all I can to send it to the right place. The picture is like you have a tight grip. Now, it's not a close fist of control where God doesn't have access. Because remember, he's the owner. But it's actually a firm grip on what he's given. Like, God, help me to handle what you've given me in a way that's pleasing to you. So here's a few things of how you can send your money to the right place. First is this. Uh, create a budget and live within your means. If you don't have a budget, this is, I just want to get really practical. If we're talking about change. If you don't have a budget, I encourage you to make a budget for your life. Because that's the only way you know if you're sending money to the right place. Uh, Here's kind of some percentages that I have like operated for myself. And most people say this is like wise money management. You try to live off of 70. There are certain months where I feel like I'm living off of 110%. You ever felt like that? Where it's like we're living on way more than that. So then what do you do? And again, the diligence. I have to plot. I have to plan. I have to work hard with the Lord's help. Uh, You want to give 10%, be generous. You want to save 10%, and then you want to give, like, 10% to debt, and then when you get clear of debt, you want to invest. It's never this clean. Can I just say that? It's never that clean. But that's the idea. Like, I want to start building a budget, and what would that look like? It's on, like, a pie here, if you'd see it. Stewardship. How can I live that? And you see debt, and then the next one is to invest once you get out of debt. Now, this is very difficult to do, but if you begin to send money to the right place, it actually sets you up to be in a good position financially. And what you're doing is you begin to take those chains off. And as you take the chains off, you've got freedom. And God will really use you. And it won't be easy, uh, but he'll use you. If you need resources, one of the next steps, and I'm just going to give it right now, one of the next steps is we will give you some things to get started. There's no way in a sermon we can talk specifically about everyone's finances and what you can do. But as a church, we're committed to you. We want to help you in this area. And we'll we'll walk with you alongside it. And as we can help, we will help. And so part of it is, like, if you need just some resources, we'll send you some things on, like, what budgeting looks like. And then we'll also send you some things on, like, debt. And, like, how do you begin to take those steps to remove some of the chains that you have on. So if you need those resources, just write resources on your connection card. So create a budget, live within your means. Uh, The second is this, uh, to get out of debt. Does that sound just so neat and tidy? But my prayer for us as a church is that in this room, people who are in debt right now will have six months from now a story of how God helped them get out of it to his honor. Or I'm still in it, but I've taken steps and I've I've, I've removed some of those chains. Thank you, God. You don't have to stay where you are. God will help you. And so here's some prayers that you could pray if you're in debt. Three important prayers. God, give me self-control. It's very hard to shift your spending if you don't deal with your appetites, your desires, your passions, what you've always done. How many of you would think if Amazon didn't exist, you would have more money? (laughs) I had to go there, right? But it's true. Or what about like Starbucks? Oh, oh, wow. The gasp. But there's all sorts of things that that we we spend our money on. It's just given. But sometimes like what if you had self-control? Would that change your spending? And so that's a helpful prayer. God, give me self-control. Do I really need this? Do I have the money for this? Is this what I need to do right now? And you pray that. The second, God, give me understanding. The understanding is this. Every time I make a decision to spend money I don't have, I'm putting a chain around my neck. God, will you give me understanding to see that? Do we want to see that? No. Do we need to see it? Yes. So God, give me understanding. The last, God, give me a plan. Help me. Help me, God. Give me the steps forward. And that, that's where the church wants to help. God, give me self-control. God, give me understanding. And God, give me a plan. Uh, there, there's a, a concept that I think I've heard it the most from Dave Ramsey. If you're familiar with, like, Christian financial management, like, Dave Ramsey is, like, probably one of the top names. Has really helpful resources. But he has a concept called the debt snowball. The idea of the debt snowball is you take a piece of paper and you list out all your debts from the smallest to the largest regardless of interest rates. Okay, I'm going to wrap up. I'll be done. <laughs> hey, that, you guys are like, that's a great idea. Let's set time. You set 35, 45, and then emergency at 60, okay? Um, oh, I'm about done too. Um, but debt snowball, I'm going to list smallest you know, to largest, and then I'm going to just pay as much as I can. I'm going to pay the minimums on all, but I'm going to pay as much as I can on that smallest. And then as soon as I've paid that off, I'm going to take all that I was paying to that smallest debt, and I'm going to put it to the next debt. And then I'm going to put everything I can at that next debt. And then as soon as I'm going to take that payment, you keep spending this, keep making that same payment, and you keep working. The idea is sometimes you just are throwing all your money at like the biggest debt, but you don't make progress. The idea is God give me a plan. It's also God give me victories. And once you get out of a little bit of debt, uh, you see like man, a chain was lifted, and I have more freedom. And then that that gives you like what it's that hope that you need to keep going. And so if you're interested in that, and you have multiple debts. Uh, we have a, a printed page of a debt snowball worksheet that you can work through yourself. Some of you, I don't know, I know this can be real, but some of you, it's like, you don't even want to write them down, right? That's even scary, but write them down. See what is. Pay attention to that, uh, the herd you have, the finances that, that, that you're dealing with, and then begin uh, that process. And so that's on the info table. I encourage you to do that. So create a budget, get out of debt. The third is discover the joy of giving and generosity. I think this is so important in the order because so many times when it's related to money, joy is not synonymous. Like that almost seems like those should never be in the same sentence because stress is real. Discouragement is real as it relates to this. This deals with our heart in so many ways. And it actually... Gives a picture of what the Christian life is. It's like, God, when I commit to follow you, and as I give my whole life to you, you want everything. I will surrender it all, even my money, even the way that I've always done things. But when you can discover the joy of giving and generosity, uh, your perspective changes. You actually become a different type of person. And so that's what I'm going to talk about next week, how giving is good. If stress is bad, giving is good. And how we can get there. And then the last is to save and invest. And we'll talk about that in two weeks. What does it mean to have the right view of the future, even though we can't presume what it is? And so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. So I encourage you, uh, come back next week as, as we dig into this. If you need help, and I'm not just saying this. So I want you to hear. If you need help, you are not alone. If you just, you're just looking at all this and it's like, man, my life does not fit on a PowerPoint slide. And you feel buried, reach out to us. Talk to us. We will not only pray, but we'll help you. We'll help you kind of figure out your first step. And we'll walk with you. If we can't do that in the church, then what hope is there? So in this area, like, we, we, we want to help. So, so reach out. We can't help you if we don't know. And I know there's something in us that it's like, it's, it's humiliating to admit that we need help, right? Can we just say that? It's totally humiliating. But you can't get help unless you ask for it. And so there's a certain edge of humility that we need because then we actually are, are ready to change. And so let us know. So it's next steps, uh, you can mark these on your connection card. I encourage you to take one. Um, you could fill the rest out. And then the first is just to memorize <laughs> proverbs 22 seven uh, there's many times in my life where I just need the scripture to remind me in the moment and scripture memory does that you you recall it in the moment in the decision and then the, the second next step is just to send me uh, resources and again we'll we'll send you some questions you can work through and then some links uh, to some things on the web that can help you inform you and again we, we want to help uh, if I've never met you I'm going to be by the info table after service I'd love to meet with you. If you have prayer requests, uh, let us know. And also, if you just need prayer uh, today, um, come find me after the service. I'd love to pray for you. So let's close out. The band's going to come up. We're going to sing another song. We're going to receive our offering and then try to meet somebody that you've never met today. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for the hope that you give us. And it's not uh, fake hope and it's not quick fixes, uh, but it's a hope that's actually not Uh, related to ourselves and our own effort. It's the hope that is connected to your son, Jesus, whose power can change us and whose death and resurrection transforms us. And in this area, we can feel so alone as it relates to money. We can feel beat up because of our decisions, and we can even feel condemned. Like we can never make steps forward, but Like life, you actually give us a new hope and new life in you as we trust you, as we take your word for what it says, and we apply it, and we bring you in to what we're facing. So God, will you give us humility to to get the help as we need it? As a church, will you just grow in us a desire to be diligent and not hasty, and also to discover the joy of giving and generosity? May that be true of us as you help us. In the name of Jesus, amen.